0: Well, I wanna welcome you however you are joining us as part of this service, whether online on our YouTube channel or live stream or at one of our physical campuses around the Charlotte area, just wanna say welcome to Forest Hill Church and to this worship service. I'd like to ask you to begin, if you haven't already sat down after that amazing worship, I wanna ask you to stand together if you're able out of reverence for reading of scripture. We do this often around here to remind us of the place of God's word in our lives. And I'd like to read to you from Matthew 13 as we. We begin today. Matthew 13 verse 44 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. This is God's word. You can be seated. We are in a second week in a topic that we really need to hear more about. The series is called Unstoppable Joy, and we almost called it Joy in the Middle of because all of us are trying to figure out how to find this kind of deep sense of well-being and meaning of, of peace and confidence in a time when the world seems to offer us anything but. And before we jump into today, I'd like to make sure that if you didn't have a chance to be part of the service last week, that I catch all of us up. And so I'm going to do a quick little review and then we're going to talk about some ways that you and I can grab, choose, possess joy this week so that our lives might be filled up to the way that we want them. To begin with, I want you to remember a couple of scenes to sort of set the stage. Some of these you may have been alive for and you may have watched on video. Others of them you may have just heard about. And, and if that's you, I just want you to kind of go there and imagine with me what this was like. The first one, it's 1983. 1983. I'm 10 years old. NC State versus Houston in the NCAA championship basketball game. NC State was a Cinderella story, never supposed to be there. Houston was a powerhouse with Clyde Drexler and Akeem Elijah, one, two players who would go on to be top 50 all time NBAers. 44 seconds left, game is tied, and Houston has the ball. Coach Jim Valvano from NC State, he calls timeout, and he puts this plan together, a plan for them to grab victory out of what looked like could be defeat. And in that, they're going to foul a guy named Alvin Franklin. Poor Alvin, he's a freshman, you know, 18 years old, just a few months removed from being at high school parties, and suddenly he's on the world stage, and they said we're going to foul him because he won't handle the pressure. He'll miss the free throws. We'll score and win the game. Sure enough, plan works, Alvin gets the ball, they foul him, he goes to the free throw line, kid misses the free throw. NC State grabs the rebound, calls timeout, second part of the plan goes into action. Coach V, he puts the perfect plan in place to get Derek Wittenberg, their best player that day, to take the final shot. Inbound comes. Wittenberg gets the ball. He rises up for the shot. It's off target, but out of nowhere, Lorenzo Charles soaring over Akeem One grabs the ball, dunks it with two hands. NC State wins 54-52. Unbelievable. There are legendary videos of Coach Valvano running around the floor trying to find somebody to hug because everybody's gone nuts that the plan actually worked. It was an incredible day. There are other moments. Maybe you've seen the movie Apollo 13 where Tom Hanks is a part of that. We're remembering the astronauts who were for sure lost, but this crazy plan that could get them back home is put into action and it works. And the whole place goes nuts as they re enter the atmosphere and are found safe whether it's moments like that from history or, or whether it's moments that you've been stuck on like TikTok, watching a toddler, you know, a two-year-old bottle flip and then the excitement on their face when it works or somebody from Dude Perfect making trick shots, whatever it is, you found yourself sucked into those moments of joy when a plan comes together. And sometimes you've had them and I've had them on my own personally, like, like the time that marketing plan that you devised went exactly like you meant for it to, And you got the client. Or maybe it's the time whenever you, uh, you were gonna ask her to marry you. You had set everything right, the photos, the friends, the moment, and it all worked, and she said yes. We all have moments where we think up a plan, and the result of that plan succeeding is incredible joy. Imagine for a second the celebration if the plan was on a cosmic scale. If we were talking about the rescue of the entire universe and it works well that my friends is a clue to the joy that we're talking about i tell you all that to remind you that last week we gave this definition for real joy durable lasting meaningful joy that can survive a global pandemic and it can also survive the most individual intimate personal darkness the kind of joy that doesn't get shaken when everything else is. That joy, we said, is defined as this. Joy is the product of a plan to restore our souls, our relationship to God and our future. It's in fact, the product, the the results of God's plan to bring us back into a right relationship with him, to rescue us. And imagine the joy that should be felt when it works. I mean, we were the pinnacle of creation his prized possession, and we were lost for a moment. And then God goes to work through Christ, allowing us to be found and brought home. And as the story of the prodigal son shows, he wraps his arms around us, in a celebration on his own and in joy that we might find as well. This is where true Christian lasting joy comes from. And it's really important because a lot of times we talked about how this is a surprise to many of us. Even the idea of God being joyful is not always like our first thought. But we said last week, God is the most joyful being in the universe. Uh, and, And that can kind of turn us on our head. But can you imagine God recklessly dancing, singing, just celebrating you? We get so many uh, of the messages sent to us about where he was angry or where he was sorrowful, and that's true of him at times, but those are always momentary responses to the sin that would mar and break his creation. So this week, we look at Psalm 30, verse five, and it says this about our God. The whole record of scripture, in fact, speaks in this way. And Jesus, the God in human flesh, who said he came to perfectly reveal to us what God was like, If you've seen me, you've seen the father, he said. This is what it says about God. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Here's a clue about God. Does he get angry? Absolutely. Is he brokenhearted over our failures or the things that we've done wrong sometimes? Of course he is, but that only lasts for a moment. Jesus is often talked about as, and the scripture says he was a man acquainted with sorrows. He understood what it was like to have a broken heart, just like you do. He went through difficult places in life, just like you might be. But overall, the picture of Jesus is, and I wish we thought of this more, is not either an angry or, or sad person moping through life. It's not also uh, kind of a lithium induced, just monotone, flat, no emotion at all. Jesus, when we really look at the scriptures, he was a guy everybody wanted to be around it. And that's what joyful people are like, right? They're magnetic. I mean, think about this. How many times in the gospels does it show kids flocking and wanting to be all around Jesus? Now, you know kids as well as I do. They don't go circle up and want to be all around the most angry, critical, mopey person. No, they like somebody that's effusive. It happens so often the disciples would get angry and try to get them away. Or how about this thought? Um, You know, whenever you want to make a good first impression, if you wanted to kind of unleash who you are and what you're about on the world, the very first thing you do publicly says a lot about what you value. And and guess what Jesus' first miracle? The first time he took his divine nature and joined it to kind of the things of earth, it happened at a wedding. And Jesus, he makes 150 gallons of the most incredible wine to take a wedding reception from yawn to wow. Jesus, his life was full of joy. In fact, I believe this is God's go-to emotion. And we said last week that not only is God joyful in and of himself as part of his essence, but the thing that he gets the most joy about, surprisingly, is you and me. It says this in Isaiah 62, five, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. I did a wedding a couple of weeks ago, my first uh, COVID wedding, Uh, social distancing, masks, small, all that stuff. And you know what? When the doors in the back of the church opened and Sarah came walking in, Charles' face showed nothing but joy. I, I have a pretty good vantage point at weddings. And all you could see on his face and in his eyes was an incredible awe at the gift that he was about to receive from God himself. That way, that idea of a groom rejoicing over his bride, scripture says that's what God is doing about you and me. Now, don't underestimate the power of that thought staying in your head for a moment or a day or a week. This idea that God is so madly in love with us, recklessly in love with us, dancing like a crazy person at the reception over the joy of bringing us back to himself, That can change your identity, it can change your self-talk, it can lift your head and lift your spirit. There's power in the aspect of God's joy. So real joy is something that comes up in us uh, because of what God has done for us, what he is doing for us and what he will do for us forever. Joy is the certainty that God is in control of our life. It's, it's the confidence that it's all going to work out right. And it's the choice to praise God, whatever is happening. In fact, joy is what we were made for. That's what you were made for. Do you ever think about what your purpose is? Actually, it's to be joyful in what God is doing. Uh, a guy named Louis Smead says this To miss out on joy is to miss out on the reason for your existence. Be a terrible thing to go through all of life and totally miss your point. The point is to find this joy in God and to reflect it, to experience it, to embody it. The Westminster Catechism, one that has guided uh, theological thought for many, for decades, uh, centuries, I should say, uh, says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That God is the designer of you and me and this world, that he knew as its maker and creator that what we needed most, the fuel that we needed to run on was the joy that he gives by putting us in a right relationship with him. He knows that this is what's best for us. This is the dynamic life that Christ offers. So joy is a fruit, it's a response, it's a choice, but it's not something that we create. We don't create joy, but we do have to choose it. I'm gonna give you several more scriptures as I've done already. And, and I wanna invite you just like I did last week, take notes on these, write these in your phone. If you got pen and paper handy, write that down. You wanna keep a record of all of these truths about joy and about you and about God. And, and I want you to be able to reflect on this more about that in a moment. Uh, but this is really important for it to, us to get these thoughts of God down deep into our mind and into our heart. Psalm 118, 24, listen to these words. He says, this is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. The the writer says, today, today is the day that God has ordained for you. With everything that's gonna come in it and everything that's gonna happen and exactly where you are, he's made it for this. So you choose to rejoice and find gladness in it. The reason uh, I think that he says this is because we live in a world and especially in a, in a time like we are right now, maybe, maybe exactly where you are. We live in a moment that, that says you can't be joyful. You, you can't rejoice. Things are too hard. Things are too bad. Actually, we are people who live with kind of a, once this happens or around the corner, whenever, you know, blank happens, kind of thinking. Like we think this, we think, um, you know, maybe you're 11th grade, you're in school. If I just get out of school, if I can just get out of school, I'll be happy. Actually, after this week, many of us are wondering, are kids in school, are they out, is it online? And could I just say this? Could we all as a church just this week, take some moments and pray for teachers and administrators and students this week? If I just get out of school, I'll be happy. Once you're out of school, uh, you know, if I'm single now, it's if I just meet somebody uh, and get married, then I'll be happy. If, it's, if I just get married uh, and, and then if I can just have kids, we just have kids in the house, I'll be happy. And then kids come and then we're like, if I can just get the kids out of the house, I'll be happy, right? We are always thinking around the corner, what's next? And the scripture tells us, no, today, right now, what you have is a gift from God, choose to rejoice. We looked at this verse last week, Philippians 4.4, 4, where Paul, one of the, uh, the writers of so much of the New Testament, one who really understood choosing joy based on his life experience, because he had been a person who didn't believe in Jesus and then became face-to-face with Jesus and decided that this was exactly the way in the life that he wanted, that was the only reality. And then he went through hardship after hardship. He wrote often about joy and choosing it. And he says, hey, I'll say it again, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, Paul, a little bit later, later, uh, that was verse four and verse eight of the same chapter. He's gonna give us some instructions about how to do that. But, but first, let me just say this. When we think about choosing joy, often for many of us, the first thing that comes to our mind are all the reasons why we shouldn't, why we can't. The test of real, authentic, deep down in your soul and in your bones joy it's the fact that it can coexist with pain. It's the fact that real joy doesn't have to have circumstances that are all right for it to last, for it to be experienced. In fact, Christian joy, the kind of joy we're talking about here, it not only can be maintained when circumstances go wrong, when things are bad, it, it, not only can you hold on to it, often this joy grows in the middle of difficulty. Let me give you an example. Um, Your mom ever said to you when you were growing up or your dad, somebody close to you, uh, hey, don't eat that candy before it'll ruin your dinner. So last night, uh, had a bunch of meetings, got home kind of late, really, really hungry, but walked in and one of my daughters, she, uh, she had made homemade from scratch churros. I ate five of them. Not only did I eat five of them, there was this little bowl of this beautiful whipped looking yellow stuff sitting right beside it, which I thought was frosting. I grabbed the knife and smeared that all over the top of the churros. Turned out that was their bowl of butter that they had melted and then it had congealed. So let's just say last night wasn't my best dinner. I lived my mom's warning. It totally ruined my dinner. But here's the thing. Sugar masks what we really need. Because it gives us this buzz, right? Uh, You know this, if you've ever been around a child or you yourself, you can like be hungry. You can know that there's something that you need. You grab something with high sugar and you feel better all of a second. It covers up what's necessary for you for the moment. The same way, many of us live joyless Christian lives because although we will have said, I believe in God, I've accepted Jesus, I know I'm going to heaven, the rest of our life, is based on circumstance. Money, sex, power, finances going the right way, circumstances, that's all sugar. And so often we only go as well as the sugar supply is coming. But here's what's amazing. Here's what's beautiful about the way God has designed us and designed joy. When it becomes in short supply, it forces us to go for the things that our soul needs the most. Many of you have found, even during this time of quarantine and difficulty and in, in our country and in your family and all this, you've found a place to run to, to God who is that reckless rejoicing over you and in control. And you found a quiet confidence and peace that's actually grown stronger even though times may have grown darker for you. This, this is, it's the secret, it's the beauty of joy in the Christian's life. When you get forced to go after that which you need most, you come out on the other side with poise and with strength and with joy that doesn't get shaken. Some of us need to find that right now. We need to be able to to put in place practices, even small steps, small things that will allow us to feed on the nutrition, on the um, soul-satisfying, deep stuff of God because we've been living our life too much on sugar. So we have to choose to focus on God. I'm gonna give you real quickly four easy, like they're simple, I shouldn't say they're easy, but but four simple things that we can do today. And that I wanna ask you to begin doing today to make a commitment or at least give your best shot and watch what happens to your joy level. Back to that choice. Choose first to focus on what is good. And that passage in Philippians four, where Paul says, hey, I'll say it again, rejoice all the time. He gives a list of reasons why and ways too. And one of the things that he says in verse eight, I think is really good. It's important for us right now. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, and that's tied to the thought that came before. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any moral excellence, And if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Paul says, focus, and this was his secret to rejoicing all the time, focus on what's good. Many of us, we start our day by allowing whatever is happening in the world or through the media that we chose to use or through what happens on our social media. We let that dictate how we feel. Paul says, choose to focus your mind on what's good. So. Uh, reminded me of this, this book uh, by this lady. Uh, I don't know if she's a believer or not, but her name is Marie Kondo, and she has this book called Spark Joy. And the idea is that you go around your house, and as you're trying to arrange it, you put things in, or you only keep things that cause joy to begin to, uh, to kind of well up in you. And so she'll say things like, you need to just put it in your hands, grab that sweater and put your arms around it, or you know, take the candle off the table and, and hold it, turn it and look at it, see, does it make joy come up? In a similar way, I think we need, that's what Paul's saying we should do. We need to take the truth of who God is and what he's done, what he's already doing in you and what he will do forever. And we need to, to put our arms around it, to hold it, to look at it, to focus our mind on what's good and what's true. Don't allow, you can choose, I can choose what gets to find a home in here and what ultimately will find a home then in here. Choose to focus what's good. I would say this, make yourself a note right now, start a list of what is right in your world, what's good in your world right now, and begin to fill it out this entire week. Second thing is memorize scripture. Uh, Like I said, the list of scriptures that we give you, we're gonna do a lot of these over the course of the next couple of weeks. You've already gotten like six today and there's a couple more to come. Write those down, some of them are one sentence. Practice memorizing them because what happens is whenever you find yourself in difficulty, when you find yourself in a moment where you're not sure what to believe, you can always count on the truth of scripture being what God's already said. And when you put his words, his thoughts into your mind, when you replace those other things with it, it's, it's life-changing. It's heart softening. It's vision lifting. It brings joy. Memorize scripture. Third, serve others. This is one of the most overlooked ways when we are in a bad place that we can actually find joy. And that is choosing to live a life of service to others. It's another part of what we were designed for. Jesus modeled it. He came to serve, to give his life as a ransom. He asked us who follow him, be the servant of all. And so right now, start to think about ways that you could serve somebody else, especially if you don't feel like you have the, the ability to, if you don't feel like you have the emotional resource, if, if you feel down, and make this decision in spite of how you feel. And we've got some things happening at Forest Hill that can help. Find a way to be a part of what we're doing as a community, even better than serving on your own is serving with some others. So like, let me just give you a couple of examples. Uh, that you're finishing up today uh, this uh, food drive for the Community Shelter of Union County, right? Um, Folks, if you haven't joined it, just drop by the Waxhaw campus today, bring some food. Let that be one simple, small thing you can do to increase joy. Uh, a is doing a lunch grab and go at Quail Hollow Middle School, uh, for Quail Hollow Middle School this week. Jump in and be a part of that if that's your campus. Fort Mills is running a blood drive. There, there's, a, there's an outreach group on Facebook. They're serving at the Catawba Indian Reservation. Like jump in and be a part of that if that's your community. Um, South Park is doing daily food distribution for some vulnerable families. There are opportunities every day in all kinds of ways for whatever you have and whatever I have for us to give and serve others. Choose to do that. And then finally, practice gratitude. Practice being grateful for what you have. Um, One of the things that's been really powerful for me, and I don't do it perfectly, but my wife and I have started trying in the morning, first thing, and even if we don't do it together out loud, I'll try to tell my, myself, my tired, sleepy, not fully on yet brain, to start with a list of what I'm thankful for as soon as I wake up. I begin with exactly the room that I'm in. I might look around the room and say, I'm thankful for the bed that I have, this comfort, I'm thankful for the, the house that I have, I'm thankful for the hotel that I'm staying in, whatever that is, and just go through a list, practice the gratitude for what God has already done and watch how your joy level begins to increase. I know these are really small, really, really practical things, but they also really work in focusing us on God. I wanna close this way though, with the same scripture that we read to begin with, because all of those like, you know, little things that we do in our daily life to remind us in small ways of the big goodness that God has, Um, they're not the whole picture. The whole picture, back to Matthew 13, is this. The kingdom of heaven. It's like treasure buried in a field. Somebody finds. And when they find it, they bury it and enjoy. They sell everything to possess that field. Here's how you can know that you're a Christian. Here's how you know that you found Christ, that he is the treasure, for you it's when you think about everything that he's done that God not only put a plan in place but that he wanted to you and I were valuable enough that he wanted to bring us back Uh, that not only did he uh, come as Christ and suffer the death that we deserved uh, taking all of the wrath against sin on himself and then resurrecting from the dead not only that but that that he wants to heal that he's gonna heal us ultimately one day. And if you're waiting on that or you're experiencing it, he also says, while you're waiting, I'm with you and comforting you. I'm I'm never gonna leave you in this. Uh, Think about the fact that there will be one day into the future as scripture attests over and over again, no more tears, no more pain, no more crying, everything that you and I need and could want will be found in him. Take that, maybe you need to Marie Kondo this thing and put that gospel around and in your arms and turn it and look at it and allow yourself to realize that yes, we give up things. Yes, we give up control to take the kingdom, but it's like finding a place that you are willing to buy because the treasure buried in the ground is so much more, so much more valuable than any price that you would pay. See, many of us have just lived the Christian life. I don't wanna challenge us all. We've just lived knowing and believing that Jesus died on the cross, that he was resurrected and that we'll go to heaven one day. We've lived that kind of joyless life. You know what, the scriptures, they tell us that even the demons believe that. So if you're like, nah, I, 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 I bought it. I, I think that's right. I know that to be true, but, but I got life on my own terms. Congratulations, you're at devil level. But if you want to find the kind of joy that will take you through whatever you're experiencing now and whatever is to come, the kind of deep sense of confidence and well being and peace, this is where it's found. You ask Jesus to trade his life for yours, you surrender control, and you choose to live a life rejoicing in that. Today's your day. Today's your day. Why don't you choose to rejoice in what God's done? Let me pray for us. Father, I ask now that you would make the beauty of your kingdom, the joy of the plan that has been accomplished to rescue us, the benefits of everything that you'll do here on this side of eternity and everything that's promised we can't even imagine on the next. And you'll take all of that. And right now, would you help us each to apply that to our hearts in a way that says we are willing in joy to give up everything to follow you. Make us that kind of place. Make us that kind of people. Make us that kind of dads and moms and students and kids. God, make us people of joy. We ask Jesus in your holy name. Amen.